I'm Will Hansen and welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast, brought to you by Extreme Push. In this series, we chat to some of the leading minds working in the customer experience, retention and data space in some of the most competitive and fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, VIP Players, I spoke with iGaming growth and retention star, Daniela Slisko. With experience setting up some of the best VIP programs in the industry at brands including Kazumo, Mr. Green and Tipico, we dig into the who, why and what of VIP, plus plenty more. This is a must if you're working in CRM in iGaming. Enjoy. Great to have um, the experts in the room podcast back today. Um, I'm joined and very excited to be joined by Daniela Slisko, um, growth and strategy consultant, um, expert in the iGaming industry. Um, one of probably, if not uh, the leading lights when it comes to VIP marketing, particularly in the casino industry. You've worked with some of the biggest brands, Casumo, Mr. Green, Tipico, just to name a few, Daniela. Um, hugely excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, it's really, it's really going to be a good one, I think. So thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks. We're really excited to be here. Uh, great, and I think um, what I usually like to do with the kickoff is uh, to maybe just get a bit of context about your background in the industry. Um, and mm-hmm. I think your story is particularly good, Daniela, um, having started <laughs> on the betting shop floor. Uh, and then obviously working your way up in some of the biggest brands in Europe um, to be leading big teams and, and, and digging into like really exciting parts of the business around CRM, data and VIP. So maybe give us a little bit of background um, on your experience and, and then we'll we'll dive into some of the topics that I want to cover. I've got a list here that's as long as my arm, so <laughs> we'll get into it. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yes, yeah, so I kind of started, I think it was uh, yeah, end of 2011, so over uh, 10 years ago. Um, I was still studying uh, marketing and uh, I, as you know, you, want, you wanted a little bit of money on the side so you can go out and, uh, you know, yeah. s- studying obviously doesn't give you much money. So um, I had a couple of friends who were working in a petting shop and, I, and they said it's, it's, it's such an easy job and it's so cool. And and I was like, oh, okay, then you know, I'll give it, I'll give it a go. I was really not like someone who is into betting or or anything at all, to be honest. But I kind of really liked the systems, and I started working in a betting shop on on Saturdays and then also in the evenings. And and it was really like a. I really liked it that way that I thought like, okay, why is he betting? How does this whole system work? Uh, it's so interesting that so many people are drawn to this. And um, yeah, it was really exciting. I think it was also so interesting, especially on Wednesdays and also Tuesdays when there will be a Champions League. So yeah. it was like the most exciting times to work because people were so into it, into the live betting. And um, you were like, at the beginning, I didn't follow football at all but then you kind of started like really following it and um, it was so interesting how they I saw it like kind of I saw their faces when they were like trying to calculate the combination bets and uh, the the team next to goal and so on and so forth so it was really um, interesting and yeah I kind of ended up uh, then in Malta of course uh, working for Tipico uh, first uh, marketing analyst, but then I uh, started to build the VIP department there from scratch. 
uh, was uh, uh, pretty new, the whole VIP program, so to say. Yeah, and then moved also to Mr. Green, uh, where I led the team. At the end, it was, I think, over 20 account managers, and it was more international um, as the head of VIP. And, and I think that was the most exciting time because I was at the same time had the responsibility of a team and then at the same time building a strategy. So that was super challenging for me. But uh, I really look look back at it as a, as a really nice and exciting time. And yeah, also Kazumo then um, as a country manager and uh, I'm now working as a consultant uh, for several areas of the business. So uh, yeah, kind I, of a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. And I love the hook about what drew you in and I, I relate to it being an Australian stranded in Europe um, and not too much of a football fan before I got here, you kind of get sucked into the Champions League, <laughs> exactly. don't you? Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a great way to do it. And you look at like the World Cup that's just gone and, and how the industry has such a big opportunity to get people enjoying the games um, off the back of the experience of enjoying the World Cup yeah. live, you know? Yeah. So um, you see the brands that have done a good job in, in kind of harnessing that in that background. Um, VIP uh, is is where I think I want to go here today. So that's yeah. that's really where I want to drill down because, like you've just said in your experience there, Daniela, um, you've set up you know some of the best VIP programs um, I would say going around at the moment. Um, why don't we start at the beginning for some of our listeners and maybe talk about what a VIP program is and and what a VIP player looks like in, in a gaming and an iGaming context? Because um, I think that would be really yeah. cool to kind of get into it. Yeah, I think um, many probably will expect that uh, I will uh, now yeah, name a little bit of a se- kind of segmentation, but probably we're going to uh, talk about data a little bit later. I think a VIP player is someone who takes, um, let's say, sports betting, but also um, the casino gameplay quite as a serious um, hobby, I would say, right? So it's it's not some, because I, some people were saying, okay, why is the, he staking so high and so on and so forth? And, and I said like, yeah, you cannot really compare them to yourself because that's just the type of person or a character who's taking this this hobby a bit serious, who, who wants to be challenged. I think, especially in sports book, they want to challenge their intellect. And um, I think that the casino players, on the other hand, wants to escape a little bit from the day-to-day business. I think it's also VIPs usually are also business owners um, who yeah, are rather someone who characteristics who like to take the risks. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I think this is, uh, and that, that's probably from a VIP perspective. And from a business point of view, I think at the same time, um, due to their commitment to, to the play and to also the industry, um, I think that's why they're so important also due to their high stakes uh, to business overall do, do you think that um also brings like i know there's some topical news at the moment out there like risks to brands as well is there an appetite for risk within the brands to really pursue vip um in that sense that you've you're obviously exposing to a to a better a, a bigger kind of payout to the player but um making sure that you get it right so that you're balancing that type of risk like is that something that you'd consider when you're putting together a program yeah, I mean, definitely. I think it 
in the one hand, if you're not focusing enough on VIP, then you are probably risking an, a, a business opportunity. Yeah. If you're focusing too much, you're risking also at the same time to be and have your business dependent on just a couple of players. And I don't think that's healthy uh, for, for, for a long-term uh, strategy either. Um, I think it needs to really balance it out in a way because you have an opportunity there for sure and the players are there. I mean, it's, it's the interest is there. Now you need to obviously see, okay, that you have a, a really healthy amount of VIP players in, in the database. Yeah, okay. Um, one of the areas that I think is really interesting about this is, is, is scale, right? Like if you're a small brand and you've got a few VIPs, then it's relatively manageable. Like I know you've just said yeah. there that you had 20 account managers working under you um, and it can maybe be uh, looked, looked at as like an account management function. But how have you gone about using kind of data and technology to make VIP scalable and, and how personalized does it need to be? Can you run programs that are purely um, that are purely run by technology where you're not having much personal interaction? Or do you think that that personal interaction with top VIPs is really important? Like it'd be cool to get your opinion on how that breaks down. Um I think you are, that's definitely what needs can be done, like automation. And that's, I think, what every uh, operator should work on. Um, I think definitely to start with the segmentation, so to, to segment down the player groups into, like, let's say from one to five uh, segments. I mean, you can name it whatever, five star, one star. Um, you can, there's diamonds, like silver, whatever um, kind of tiers. And uh, I think there's, there's, certainly an amount like maybe a small amount of people or customers who need a dedication like so that means a dedicated account manager that's that i think for sure and an account manager can definitely handle a couple of customers but when it comes to the lower segments which you want to kind of retain or upscale up that's where the automation uh, actually comes in so that can mean that you automate from the data okay the player who usually let's take three months data uh, yeah. uh, into consideration and you see he's actually quite active here and there, and then he hasn't been active in, in three weeks' time or even less two weeks' time. Sometimes he, he's maybe just going on holiday, right? So not to, to think that he's already lapsed, but I think that's where, for example, automation can go in. An automated uh, personalized email, I hope everything's fine. Sometimes what they all they need is just some attention. They don't really need some tens of free spins or bonuses. They probably just to need to know, okay, someone is taking care of me and asking me how I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and I, what I also like is if there is no reason to contact, it's like, yeah, but we cannot contact them if you don't have anything to ever. It's like, yeah, well, ask them for feedback. How how, yeah. how did he like the the game or, or, or the new website the other day? You know, it's, it's just having a little bit of a conversation. I think uh, this actually had a better impact than any bonus. And and uh, players, do you find that players are responsive to that that type of like conversation um, in the whole, or do you sometimes have people go, no, I'm not interested in whatever. responding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Just let me, uh, have a, I mean, give me another bonus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for sure you have, right? I yeah. mean, some are really, uh, some are really thankful and grateful that I mean, someone is taking care of me. I think, especially in the beginning, right, when like VIP was like no topic at all, and yeah. none of the operators did it. Maybe some in the UK, but then the rest of Europe not. That's probably, I think, where uh, where some 
personalized email had the biggest impact. But even if they don't reply, it's it's like, um, how can I say, if you look into your email inbox and then you have one brand message you a newsletter, you don't open the newsletter at all, but maybe a week or two weeks later, you remember that brand, yeah? You know, it's, yeah. it's a little bit of a brand image marketing going there. So this is how I like to see it. So I think definitely contacts, just any contact is uh, definitely worth it. And when you're when you're looking at a program and kind of scaling it up, um, it, it'd be good to maybe get into the weeds a little bit. And I'm, I'm conscious of this, like pulling out some of those key data points that you think uh, that constitute a VIP. Like what what type of um, levels do you think people need to be getting at? Can a VIP be someone that's only spending a hundred euros a week? Can they be someone that needs to be spending a fortune? Um, within a platform, like are there different di- different definitions that you've used and, and worked within the program? Um, are there certain areas yeah. that you need to target and put more priority on as a, as a marketing manager? If you're yeah, for those that are listening and might be trying to set up a program at the moment and looking to tweak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. I think what how how I would start. I mean, and that's the thing because data is not like comparable to every operator, right? So you have to, every operator has different data, different kind of customers and so on and so forth. But what I always like to emphasize is the Pareto principle, so the 80-20 rule. So that means that 80% of your outcomes are coming from 20% of of your customers, so to say. And I think in in our industry, it's even lower. So sometimes we talk about 3% of of your customers uh, giving you like 60-70% of the revenue. So I think this is how it needs to be looked at. And while in the beginning of any VIP program back in the days, of course, the focus was revenue, but also ter- turnover. But also here, it depends. I think we are now moving more into a loyalty uh, retention kind of uh, segmentation rather than just depending on their value and the high stake and so on and so forth. So because someone is... Um, even for if a guy comes in a week's time and he's heavily playing because he won the money somewhere else, does it make him a VIP in in your in your brand? Probably not, right? If it's someone who's been a long time and having a really healthy kind of player behavior and staying longer there, because you know if you invest now into him, he will be there long term. So that's probably a higher VIP than than someone just coming in and uh, yeah spending on one night. Yeah, I think that's super interesting and it's something that we see with our customers in, in being able to pick out the right audiences to actually invest yeah. in. Um, and I'd be This might not be something that you can answer or even anecdotally. Do you think players in general are happy to be loyal to one brand? Um, like I know as it's human behavior. Like you think about your even your shopping when you're using an e-commerce site or you're using yeah. or you're doing whatever, you're banking we tend to stick with one brand. I know that I do or one or two brands that we really like because we know we get deliverables from it. Um, Do you think that we're kind of maybe too jaded with VIPs and we're thinking, oh, they'll just bounce through and and we might as well just try to maximize revenue while we can. Um, Or do you think Mm -hmm. brands are thinking about this better long-term for like user experience and driving that loyalty? I think more and more and more because, um, it's the the industry has changed, um, especially in Europe, more regulated markets, and uh, it's now. While in the, in the beginning, it was more about having like 
the best games, the quickest ones, and so on and so forth. Now it's having like more and more about the stra- uh, like strategy and also trustworthiness. And trustworthiness comes through um, being like with a really good customer service and experience, right? So that comes um, any sort of deposit. I always say deposit withdrawals because it's so sensitive. It's money, right? So it's his winnings. It's it's also his it, it, like depositing in on a side. So how is the whole flow working? Um, and I think this is really, really crucial. And I know also like the players are always on forums saying, hey, they're holding my withdrawal. They're holding yeah. my withdrawal. I think that that is basically, I think the biggest complaint yeah. out there. So I think it's, it's on the one hand, that's why I always say, from operational and custom experience and process point of view, this has to work. I think if if the process works and the investment is there, um, that's how retention will work nowadays. And uh, rather than any probably bonus setup. Yeah, I think that's and it's a huge growth area in in the industry too. You can see like the yeah. plethora of payment platforms and the different ways that you know brands can go about it. Like even the explosion of kind of Bitcoin casinos and and Web three yeah. casinos. Like it's 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 massive in it, compared to what it was like 10, 12 years ago on the shop floor. Completely different experience. And <laughs> yeah, we can't, we, sure. we kind of forget in the industry how fast it has moved. Really, like it feels like yeah. it feels like the norm has been around for a long time. But like. You look at apps and, you know, some of the biggest brands in the business didn't have apps three, four years ago, five yeah. years ago, you know. So, yeah. um, no, that's super interesting. Um, I'd love to get your perspective on it from a responsible gaming standpoint um, in in how much operators are starting to look at that properly, I think. And obviously with, mm-hmm. with the way, particularly in Europe, UK is a great example of it, like, Regulators are starting to come down with serious teeth at the moment when when operators mm-hmm. are doing the wrong thing. Um, how can VIP programs kind of enhance responsible gaming and, and how much do you think operators take that serious in going, look, this is a VIP, but we, we're suspecting that something's not right here. We need to go in and make sure that everything's okay on that end from an RG perspective. Yeah, I think... Um... When when the first regulations came out and it was the topic like responsible gaming and VIP, I think there was actually an opportunity there. Uh, also, again, from a customer experience point of view, to get it kind of right. So if it's one, like I think one strategy fits all was not uh, is not the right way here as well because data yeah. from a let's say lower segment is completely different to the ones from a VIP segment. Yeah. And I think if you adjust the responsible uh, gaming strategy here, then you're also rather uh, going into into a perspective where you're retaining a VIP player long term. And I think this is where definitely work needs to be done a little bit more because I've, I've seen also VIPs being blocked or uh, always being like spammed with, hey, have your gameplay yeah. in order. And that's fine. But I mean, Either he, he gets it in an order and, and, and their action is being taken rather than sending an email every day, right? I mean, they don't, they don't want an operator to yeah. feel like a, a mom, right? Telling him what to do. Yeah, <laughs> think, yeah. uh, this, is, this is not the right way because then even if he closes his account, if he closes his account or even if the operator closes his account, I mean, I don't think you have, we have helped the customer. The no. customer is going somewhere else, right? Yeah. But if you kind of, um, yeah, manage to him to play more responsible and he still stays active, I think that's where, uh, that's where it was successful for both ways. 
I, I like your point there as well, and I think it, you, you're coming back to it time and time again here. Um, like, data is everything um, in this industry um, for when you're talking yeah. to your players across all aspects of it, whether you want them to come back on to play a game or whether you want to help them out um, or, or potentially see a risk with with RG. Maybe I'd, I'd really like to get your insights if you're in, from your consultancy perspective here of what are you looking at as best practice for brands when they're starting to look at their data? Like we know the player account management systems do such a good job of collecting everything, but what we find in the industry is that real disconnect between I've got the data and it's all sitting here, but I'm the VIP manager or the CRM manager or the marketing manager or the communications person or the customer support manager, and I can't get it to do anything with it in a, in a usable way that's quick, that works. Um, is that type of area something that you're you're talking to brands about how they can start to improve that or how they should be looking at improving that? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely. And I think, uh, first of all, because we were saying maybe the VIP manager or customer support agent doesn't understand data, but my experience <laughs> some, is sometimes that management doesn't understand that's, data. Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good point too, yeah. You, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, you can we, start, we all, start at that yeah. top level, I guess, and then we can work yeah. down, yeah. No, no, but uh, we all think we, we kind of understand it and it's pretty much clear, but probably not many do because I think you really need to dig into it and, and and then you will make it, make it understand. But yeah, I think what when I approach it, it's like, okay, what is the goal? Is the goal the retention? Is the goal to focus more on VIP so that they stay longer and then hence the revenue is going to increase? And and I think this is where where this is where my approach is that we ca- that the goal needs to be discussed and also align with the strategy, and then kind of uh, approach it from that perspective and. There is not, I cannot say, okay, turnover or revenue is like, oh, those are the two KPIs we take forward. There is so many. There is average bet. There is uh, activity. Um, there is um, also not turnover in total. It should be maybe uh, in three months on average and so on and so forth. So that we really tackle the ones who are uh, more loyal rather than the ones who said, okay, they had a really uh, well high turnover week and now they are uh, and they are part of the VIP program. Is it really like, I think this is where, where, where it comes down to. Do you see... Um like who do you think are doing really good jobs in the VIP space at the moment um, as far as brands? And you might not be able to name drop them, I don't know, but like do you think that there are some doing a really good job at the moment, like campaigns that you're seeing? Um, to be honest, lately I haven't seen uh, any of that. I think the focus has changed a little bit given yeah. that um, more regulated markets were there and uh, especially with the KYC uh, processes, I think that's where, where kind of the, um, the focus uh, was lacking. But I cannot name specific any brands, but I only, when uh, it started kind of in, in Europe, I always was looking at UK brands yeah. because they were longer there. Um, they had the loyalty points set up. They had the events. 
they had the uh, dedicated account managers, they had the program, they had a, even a name for it. Um, and I think that's where I looked at it most actually in the in UK. And, and that's where we're like, okay, this is how it should be done. Like, and they're yeah. used to it. And it was, it, it's still funny because in, in, in the rest of the Europe, the customers were not used to that. So when they were first approached by VIP account managers, like, okay, what's going on now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's who's contacting me from? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I think there were also no bonuses at all. So when they got yeah. a bonus, they, they were like, why am I getting this now? And, and, and what's happening? And, and you know, it's, it was so interesting. And now the brands have kind of challenged each other and were so competitive with their loyalty programs, with their cashback bonuses, deposits, free spins, whatever. Yeah. And now we're talking about, I don't know, I saw a graph the other day, it's like 30, 40% of NGR bonus. It's like, oh my God, where is this gone, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually like um, in a bad way, I must say, because we're not focusing on the play, we're focusing on, yeah, bonusing the player like crazy. So, yeah. I would say it's yeah. I would say in the UK it's probably where where uh, I was looking most to. This is this is a good segue um, into bonuses actually, um, and I think that's interesting. Yes. And you were saying thirty to forty percent net gaming revenue like on bonuses. So um, bonuses, it, I think that's a good segue here. Like the market, particularly in Europe and definitely in the UK, like I just think it's hugely oversaturated with brands basing everything on bonusing. Um, and I actually think it's breaking the user experience a little bit. Like it, why click into Paddy Power unless I'm going to get a bonus on a bet that I'm putting on as a sports bet, for instance. Like there's, I just won't bet unless they're offering me something. Um, do you think yeah. brands have kind of built themselves into a bit of a trap with that? And and is there a way out for them? That's probably, if, if you can answer that, I'm sure you'll you'll have every brand <laughs> in Europe messaging you saying, come, come do some consulting. <laughs> Um, but like, like that's a huge statistic for, you know, 40% of revenue being affected by bonuses and, and what you percent potentially losing with that. Um, have we just built in bonuses now that that's the fair value that fa that fans are expecting when they're putting on a bet? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, just to explain, explain a little bit, it's not 40%, uh, but it's like 40% of the bonus, uh, of yeah. the NGR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I, I, as you said, I think they built themselves into it a little bit, right? Uh, because it became, the market became so saturated, so they were hammering bonuses out there. And, and the thing is, like, if we think about it, why did players actually come to, to those websites of sports betting in casino? It was not bonus. At the beginning, there were no bonuses, so yep. it was all about um, it was uh, it was all about actually you know the game right or or the match or and so on and so forth. And and I think instead of investing into the platform, instead of investing into engagement, right, rather into bonusing, this is where then the brands got into. And I think when this happened, um, retention got lower, churn increased. Uh, and that's where, and also it was given that the restrictions from a marketing perspective, it was not easy to get acquisition up to speed anymore, right? So that's why it's like, okay. And also, of course, there were big brands buying, like big fishes buying the small brands. So the first thing what they do before, I mean, they're not improving the experience, cost cutting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how do you do that? You cut, you cut, uh, you cut costs on marketing side. You do it, of course, from operation point of view, payments and so on and so forth. And then like, oh, we still need to grow. So how are you going to do this? Oh, wait, we have so many labs players. Let's just 
you know, hammer them and reactivate them and so on and so forth. And, and I think this is actually what happened right there. So they were, um, even the data was there, they were not looking into, okay, wait a minute. So we have, for example, let's say an amount of players who are only active if they receive a bonus. So that means he, we are actually giving him bonus every night, but he hasn't deposited in ages. And we are always giving him free spins and so on and so forth. And and I think this is exactly where where it where the mistake happened. Um, and the biz, so some businesses were not built for long term. I have a bit of a feeling since yeah. it's uh, grow, growing so fast, they did it in. They're like, okay, let's do everything what, where we get short term outcomes, you know. Um, and uh, there, I have a bit of a, a feeling that's where it's coming. So the industry itself, and you of course have the pressure, right? So it has to work. You're opening a, a casino, okay? Now, now it's gonna, you know, you have to grow. Yeah, <laughs> it's a new brand. And I think the pressure was there, and that's where I think there were a couple of mistakes which happened from a strategy point of view. Do you think there's a way out for brands like I, I, like obviously the big the big players and the consolidation helps them because of their player yeah. player base size? Like, do you think if you're a new brand coming to market and trying to innovate, um, is there a way to do it without bonusing? Um, for instance, maybe in Europe, um, like I think the US could be relatively. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, illustrative of yeah. of this in being able to do something different where they. They push heavily into fantasy. They push heavily into different areas rather than bonusing at the moment. So um, do you think there is a way for if, if, if we were to start a new casino or a new sports book tomorrow, you and I, could we do it without bonusing? Um, I think we could, but uh, we need to, of course, have something which is exciting, which the other brands don't have, of course. And uh, I think gamification. Um that's for sure, and um, because uh, that's one thing. And then the other thing is probably the social uh, aspect, which can be developed more. I remember on every conference they were t- talking, oh, we should do more about some social gaming, whatever. And I think some brands have tried it, then it was not successful, but I still see uh, pretty much value in it. And um, gamification, in the sense that um, if I look at... Those, these, if you want to learn a new language, I mean, there's a lot of gamification around that as well. And people get really hooked. And I think this is what we can do. Probably, I mean, gamification, I mean, there's opportunities or ideas around it, what you can do without bonuses, right? So that you, um, you know, unleash some new games or whatever, whatever it is. And I think there are pretty much uh, big opportunities there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think... Um where you're talking about bringing something new to the market. I think that the market's yeah. relatively stagnant with products at the moment. And there are definitely some good brands up and coming that are playing in that gamification space. I look at guys like Low Six and yeah. stuff that are doing some really cool things. Um, uh, and yeah, you, you can see brands that are tapping into that. And when you open an app and you go, oh, that's new, maybe I can flick that onto my friends yeah, and exactly. we can play yeah. together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. probably not enough of it in the market, I think. Um, so mm. there you go. That's the top tip that everyone can take away as they start their <laughs> as they start their multi million dollar casino and sports book. And yeah. we'll we'll take ten percent of those revenues, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the way uh, that it happens. But yeah. um, uh, what about a, a little look maybe at twenty twenty three and and what you've got potentially coming up in the pipeline as far as you know what you are seeing um, as, as trends and industry topics that you really want to t- stay abreast of uh, as an expert in the industry? 
Um, I think the future um, will, yeah, as we as we actually said it a little bit, gamification will will be a thing. Um, also, um, I think, yeah, having having also that social interaction, doing right. Um, I think players want to interact, but still be a little bit of incognito, if that's possible. In, uh, because we are becoming more and more tracked. So, yeah. And the, 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 I read a book once on, on why people are actually uh, playing casino and why they're, and, and they do that because they want to escape their daily rules, right? Because, you know, you, you, you have to work, you have, uh, you have relationships you need to take care of, and, and, um, and then people break those rules in your daily lives. And then when you play, there are rules, but they're not being, you know, you lose because that's the rule kind of. And I think that's people why people escape it. Um, and I think this is where, where the focus needs to be to understand a little bit more why do people play? Uh, rather yeah. than okay, what could make the business really grow? Right. If if you go back to the why, um, I think that's then we will probably have some new ideas coming up. And that that probably feeds into the responsible gaming piece too, and understanding that yeah. why when being able to pick out when a player's in threat and they're playing not for escapism and they're not playing for fun and they're playing when it's at yeah. risk there and being able to recognize that and and help when when a brand can help um, um, or be able to, to do something about it. I think, I think they're, they're really interesting topics that are starting to come about with particularly some brands looking at how to do that at a scalable level, um, using yeah. AI and using, using data to be able to inform that uh, in a, in yeah. kind of a very, in a way that's not, um, eh, you know, not, not looking at personal information and, and making it too intrusive, I think is important too. Um, and being able to respect people's, ability to make decisions as well, I think is important. So, mm. yeah, I think that space is very interesting and ties into what you're saying there, Daniela. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think, um, I mean, responsible gaming, building uh, in, a, in a responsible way into gamification. Yeah. I mean, there's a really, a really great opportunity, for example, there. And as we said, right, we, we will be more restricted with marketing so the, the, the crazy influx of FTDs or whatever is, yeah. is not going to be there anymore so that means that you kind of the focus needs to be on retention and then at the same time you cannot uh, bonus them crazy that's also a responsible thing uh, that, uh, so that's why you need to kind of take care of them from a long term perspective so if you do it from a responsible gaming point of view um, and then focus focus it from that end and doing it really like smart because I have a bit of sometimes that operators are just saying like, okay we have this we have this data here uh, let's build something but they always forget the player perspective always and uh, I think this is where opportunity is lying as well so to understand the player really why is he playing that way how can we actually manage use AI as well for that um, so that we can see upon two weeks. Um, of player data, we can see okay uh, what is um, the lifetime expected lifetime value yeah. of this player, and what is the expected um, responsible gaming score of this player, and you can actually tag him in the right in the first two weeks of his gameplay sort of thing. So um, exactly, I think this is yeah. where it's gonna go. It's it's really brands that are driving value to their players versus just driving transactions i think since so that value yeah. value based retention are, are the guys that are going to win heading into 2023 i think um uh and 
I think I think we'll both be proven right when we catch up on the podcast next year with that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. I, I'd, I'd like to come full circle, Daniela, and kind of go back to your experience. You know, starting in inventing a shop while you were <laughs> while you were working at university. Um, for for anyone that's entering this world of you know i gaming, sports betting, and gaming, uh, looking to go into the kind of marketing route, looking to get into there. Um, what would be your advice in in how to approach a career in that? Um, I think that that would be a really nice way to kind of round out the podcast because your experience is is so great within this, and you've touched so many aspects of the industry today um, as an expert. Like we could talk for ages, um, but anyone trying to get into the industry, I think when they listen to these podcasts, they go, "Oh, geez, we're talking about net gaming revenue and retention and loyalty and data." Um, how, how did you go about practical steps on kind of getting a handle on on everything within the industry? Um, I think, um, well, any role to start off, I think many people are saying customer support is probably the best way to start because then you will understand everything. You will understand the player more than management will, you know? Yeah. And I think this is, for example, a great way to start. Always people think, oh, it's it's, it's a not that important job, but I think it, it is. And um, you can progress really well. This is, I think, something what I really like about this industry. So if you're really good and, and dedicated and uh, business is growing, you can really like go up in the career and I think it's a really great opportunity and you can learn so much um, but there's what what I think is also important is um, to see okay what are you actually bringing on on the table so what is what are you bringing to the table and how can you show that and if you can show it with data of course everyone will like it but if there is anything if you improve the experience if you have something you can show i think this is this is where then the focus needs to be because people are assuming like, okay i'm doing that i'm doing that yeah okay what did that what was the added value for the company for this and that, that's uh, what that's what everyone likes to see and i think if that can brought up in a in a really nice uh, way then yeah i think this is a yeah good way forward yeah i i think it's um yeah, I think that's good advice across anyone entering CRM or marketing in any any industry, I think, um, not just yeah. sports betting and gaming. And I think um, there's so many topics here that we touched on today that that transcend that industry as well that can be applied yeah. cr- across different industries and you see some doing mm-hmm, it better sure. than others. Um, you know, we see lots of talk around personalization and how some of the big brands like Spotify and Netflix do such a good job um, and then you look at the sports betting and gaming industry, and I don't think that there is a more data-led industry in the world at the moment. I think there's a really good handle on data. Yeah, um, Even though when yeah. we, we talk down about it sometimes, I think, within the industry, but I think you compare it to, say, what retailers are doing, they're so far ahead. Um, but there's always a drive to be better and to do next, and getting yeah. to talk to someone that knows so much about it has been really <laughs> good today. Um, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Um, Daniela, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you as well. Anyone that wants to get in contact with Daniela, I am sure um, she's very open to it. Uh, so drop her a message or drop us a message. We'll get you in contact with her. Cool. Thanks so much. It was really fun to talk about it. Cool. No worries. <laughs>